As promised, here's the audio to my recent interview with scriptural scholar and church leader Mike Madsen as we discussed one of the most intriguing evidences of ancient Hebraic influence on the Book of Mormon, that of parallelism and chiasmus. Stay tuned after the episode, and I'll list the books that Mike mentions in his presentation. I'm Mark Holt, and this is a Gospel Doctrine special episode. Welcome to another episode of Gospel Doctrine, and my name is Mark Holt, and I'd like to introduce, some of you might remember Mike Madsen. Mike was with us, was it back in the fall of 2018? It's been Mike? a long time, I can't yeah. remember. <laughs> uh, so Mike was with us to do uh, an episode, a special episode, on the tabernacle and the exodus. And so we appreciated that so much, and he and I have been talking over the intervening months and year about... Uh, doing an episode on the chiasms in the Book of Mormon. It just so happens that he was ready to do it, and we were ready to do it uh, right on the same week when we're studying Alma chapter 36, which is a happy coincidence. So we're, we're very privileged to have him with us. Uh, I've heard you talk about this presentation and how excited you are about it. Um, I know not all the material is original to you, and I think there are a lot of scholars out there who know the material about chiasms in the Book of Mormon, but the way you present it, it just sticks, it tends to stick with people. I think people, when they see you do it, uh, the comment seems to be that they've never seen it done that way before. It stick, it, it, they understand it a little better, so. Well, this, this stuff has been found by incredible people, and John Welsh, probably the foremost among them, uh, or Jack Welsh, and he goes by both, from what I understand. But uh, it, it's, uh, it, it's really incredible stuff, and I'm excited to share it. Okay, so with that said, we'll turn the time over to you, and I'll interject for when I have a question or a comment, but otherwise, um, and for those of you who are listening, this is originally a video. This will be posted in our YouTube channel, uh, Gospel Doctrine YouTube channel, and there, there will be a link to this on our website at gospeldoctrine.com. Uh, obviously, you're welcome to listen to the audio. That'll come out as a normal special episode on our podcast uh, but the full experience is in a, a PowerPoint presentation that Mike does. And so therefore, uh, we recommend you watch the video. If, even if you're going to listen to audio, watch the video later because it's an amazing presentation that you don't get the full impact unless you watch it. Yeah, you, this is a visual presentation. Yeah. So we're recording the, the screens we're talking it's about. My first we, ever two-camera setup. <laughs> wait, I just shaved my head. You know, <laughs> there, there comes that time in a man's life when many times you just have to... You just pull out the razor, right? <laughs> so I'm a little, I'm a little shy. Enough said. Enough said. Yeah. You look great. I'm a little shy about that. But let's dive in. I, so, I would give you a more auspicious uh, introduction, but I think um, no, we're, you can you can look Mike up if you want to know more about him. But he's he's a big deal. We we really are privileged to have him, and he he begged me to not say too much about him. But he's a wonderful man and very well, learned. And, thank you. Well, listen, let's dive in. I want to begin with a, 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 uh, everyone uh, that remembers Elder Maxwell, loves Elder Maxwell, Elder Maxwell, and you have to read everything he says once or twice before it kind of sinks yeah. in. But this is, he's actually quoting Louis, Louis Austin Farrar, who's talking about C.S. Lewis, actually. And he said this, Though argument does not create conviction, the lack of it destroys belief. 
and this is what you get to think about for me. He says it again in this next sentence. What seems to be proved may not be embraced, but what no one shows the ability to defend is quickly abandoned. And finally, if the first two didn't work, here's another one. Uh, rational argument does not create belief, but if it maintains a climate in which, but but it maintains a climate in which belief may flourish. So, in other words, it's necessary, not necessarily sufficient, but it's necessary. Yeah, you got to be able to defend itself. You gotta, this quote is itself a chiasm. Did you ever oh, notice yeah. that? <laughs> it's kind of setting up the. You, oh, 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 did I steal your thunder? No, then? you didn't steal my thunder. <laughs> okay. just, you're so bright. You figure things like that out, right. and it's it's really cool. So, look. It's so funny because I've given this presentation hundreds and hundreds of times and many times to three or four hundred people and always, there's always one to ten mothers who come up and they grab me and they say, can you please show this to my child? You know, usually in a waver, they're wavering. And, yeah. and, and, and I say, I'd be happy to, but I tell you, it's not going to produce the faith you want it to. Well, why not? It's so obvious. I say, because it just, it just doesn't. Faith cometh not, you know, that's how faith comes. And so it's, it's really nice to be able to have, um, to see this stuff, especially if, if, you're, if you're believing, but it's not going to create a belief inside of you. It's like icing on the cake. So, and and it, by the way, it does give an argument. People, uh, there, there are statements out there in a CS letter and other places that, that say things like, given the fact there's no evidence that the Book of Mormon was really an authentic record, and then they go on and ask a question. It's a really skillful um, debate tactic where you say something that's false in a statement, then yeah. you ask a question after that. Assuming the consequence. That's exactly right. Assuming the consequence of a false statement. It's a very successful debate tactic. People do it all the time. But, um, but uh, what's so cool about this is this does give you an argument if you want one. A logical argument is so... This really is a truly authentic record, so let's just dive in. We're going to begin by talking about um, parallelism. And we're going to begin in Isaiah, because everyone knows Isaiah is full of poetry. And it is. It's beautiful. This is the, Isaiah chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. This is the beginning of his record. So he starts off like this. The ox knows, knoweth his owner, and the donkey his master's crib. Okay? So then he says, But Israel does not know, and my people doth not consider. Now, oh, I know where you're going with this. <laughs> it's kind of fun, right? Well, this is called parallelism. He's saying, he, said, he says something, says it again, and then he sets that by the side of something, and he says it twice, twice more. For example, first of all, you need to know the crib here. You've got to define Isaiah's words. A crib is a house. So the ox is an animal, knows his owner, and that's who feeds him, right? And the donkey, another animal, knows his master's crib, his, the master's house. So these animals know who feeds them and protects them, but Israel, so that's A and A and B and A and B, but Israel does not know. You know, th this is parallelism. Israel doesn't, my So that's simple parallelism. We're not yet to chiasm. No, we're going to get to that in just a moment. Okay, it's just very simple. But, but as you look at this, what, what is the message? The ox knows his own, the donkey's master's crib, but Israel does not know what? If the ox knows who feeds him and who protects him, what doesn't Israel know? Who created them. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the message is, your donkey, I mean, this is why I say it was not liked very much. <laughs> okay. A certain word springs to mind that I won't <laughs> yeah. say. Well, I'm, I... Um, your uh, mute donkey doesn't right, even right. In fact, I changed it. The, the word's not really donkey. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not going to say that a lot in your podcast. Yeah, fair, okay. fair enough. Yeah, yeah. So your donkey is smarter than you are. 
And he, why? Well, he knows who feeds him, protects him, and provides for him. So this is why Isaiah made so many people upset. And sometimes when prophets give a message, they're not liked by the worldly because they tell the truth. He's simply saying, your animals are smarter than you are. And they picked that right up. Oh, yeah. They, this, they, no, yeah. This was the language in which instantly, they were used to hearing. That's exactly right. They instantly picked up his message here. And we had to think about it and diagram it. But when you diagram it, it's like, that's kind of cool. So that's parallelism. And you can see he said the same thing twice. And he said it by, he said it by the side of something else he says twice. And you put those two together, and there's the message. It's really cool. And I'll tell you why in a minute they wrote this way. But now watch this next one. This next one's pretty cool. Ah, a sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity. So if you diagram this, a sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, that's, that went A, B, B, A. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so he says the same thing twice, but it's inverted. So he's A, then B, then B, then A. Now, this is called inverted parallelism. Um, chi is a 22nd letter of Greek alphabet. Uh, chiazine means to mark with an X. And so that little guy right there is called a chiasm. It's inverted. That's where we get the name from. Yeah, that's where it comes from. It's, Just the shape. It's, yeah, it's inverted parallelism. You, you say something, say it twice, and it reverse order. And um, that's really simple. And so this is, Isaiah, uh, this is Isaiah speaking. Well, he goes on. A seed of evildoers. Children that are corruptors. So you can see once again, he's going back to parallelism. Seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord and they have provoked the Holy One of Israel. So Isaiah is sitting there on his little stump, you know, talking in, in front of his subjects, begins in poetry. Your animals are smarter than you are. <laughs> you're a sinful nation. You know, you're a people laden with iniquity. You're a seed of evildoers. Children are corruptors. You have forsaken the Lord. You have provoked the Holy One of Israel. And prophets sometimes say hard things. And this is what Isaiah is doing. He's trying to get his people to repent. And he's writing it in poetic form so they will remember it. Because not only does it help your brain, I mean, we'll learn in just a minute. Your brain remembers these things in poetic form better than not. And um, they didn't have a lot of scriptures back then. They were very pricey. And uh, we'll talk more about that in a minute. So they spoke to them in poetry so they could remember. And the imagery is very powerful. Because they all dealt with oxen, they all dealt with donkeys, and they know how stubborn their, donkey, <laughs> their, their donkeys were. But he's saying your donkeys are smarter than, 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 than you are. And so, uh, very powerful imagery. So that's, that's what parallelism is, and that's an example of inverted parallelism. Now, you, you know some, <laughs> and you don't even know it. Old King Cole is a merry old soul. And a merry old soul was he. Right, that's chiasm. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and you, and you, don't, go home and you, you don't go home and memorize that. Oh, it just comes, no. yeah, as soon as you because, hear it, you yeah, know it. That's because it's, it's a hemispheric brain thing, I'm sure. Right? Okay. It's because it's, it, you're, you're doing, um, well, it's, it's, it's a brain hemispheric thing. It's just, you remember them better. It's right and left brain yeah. stuff, okay? So Old King Cole is a Mariel Soul, and Mariel Soul is he's an example of inverted parallelism. You're saying something in reverse order. And, 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 and the reason you can remember that from your childhood is because it's cosmic sticks, and that's why they wrote this way. So here's, here's an example of another one. It's very simple. So God created man in his own image. Finish that. In his own image? In the image, in of, the image God? of God created he, he him. Did. Male and female created right. he them. There you go. There's, there's another little chasm. And, oh, okay. and, 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 and once again, it's really so important. So this does not just originate with Isaiah. It was oh, no. Long this before is, that. This is how Moses and wrote, even, right. even earlier. Right. Absolutely. So God created, yeah. God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created them. So, 
So once again, the, the biggest reason why they wrote this way is because scriptures were very, I mean, they were expensive. Very few people had scriptures. You memorized scriptures. And it was a lot easier to memorize them in poetic form. Uh, if if uh, uh, this way. Here's another one. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and? And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. So not only is that pretty cool little chiasm, but it's an incredible doctrine, right? If you are selfish and just worry about your own life, you're going to lose it eventually. But if you lose your life in the service of God, you are going to eventually find eternal life. So what's so cool about, about this poetry, it's not just t stating simple facts, but this one is an incredible doctrine that if we live, we will find eternal life. And you hear it once, and it stays yeah, with it's you forever. It's, it's, it's or at least a lot easier than oh, absolutely. a simple statement. So would. if you have your little family, and you're doing family scripture study, you're trying to recite what you heard at synagogue today, or whatever, and, and it's a much easier in this prophetic point of form, and that's, why they did, that's one of the reasons why they did it. Here's another one. Moses 7, by the way. You'll notice Moses 7 is a pearl of great price. Modern Revelation. Modern Revelation. Or it's, or it's just bringing back scripture. Yeah. And this is kind of cool. The righteous is lifted up. The lamb is slain from the foundation of the world. So once again, you can see, once again, you can see the righteous is lifted up. The lamb is slain from the foundation of the world. You can see the, the parallelism there. One of the, one, of the, one of the cool things is, uh, one of the titles of the Savior is, is it's capital R in the scriptures, righteous. Uh, Melchizedek actually literally means righteous king, or my king is righteous. And he was a follower of righteousness himself, Melchizedek was, he says, or Abraham was a follower of righteousness. He was a follower as a prophet, he was a follower of Christ. And so it's really cool to see some of these things uh, in the scriptures, and this is once again is in Prologue of Christ. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to diagram these a little bit differently, because what if you want to say four things and then go in reverse order? Okay. Okay, so, so we're getting a little more complicated. Yeah, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna leave simple, simple nation, people living, we're going we're to get a little more complicated. So we're going to go, Old King Cole's a merry old soul, and a merry old soul was he, and we're going to diagram it like that. Okay. Because I want to show you one in the book of Genesis really quick. In fact, I'm going to have you read this for uh, your listeners. I, and, and while you read it, I'm going to animate it. So instead of Old King Cole's a merry old soul, a merry old soul, let's see the way, we're going to look at it this way. So go ahead and go to Genesis 7, 21 and 20, 23. You start reading, I'll animate this for your listeners, and you stop when I tell you to stop. And all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl, and of cattle, and of beast, and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, and every man. And all in whose nostrils was the breath of life, of all that was in the dry land, died. Stop. Okay, so that's the first half of this chiasm. Okay. So we're going to go reverse Okay, order. so I can see several layers deep yeah. that we've gone here. Yeah, and, and so now we're going to go, so, so Genesis 7, everything died on the earth. This is the story of the flood, Yeah. right? Pretty important thing to remember. And now he's going to go in reverse order and go ahead and read and I'll animate and you can see everything and, match up. And every living substance was destroyed, which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle and the creeping things and the fowl of the heaven and they were destroyed from the earth, and Noah only remained alive, and they that were with him in the ark. Okay, so there you are. There it is. Now, with translation, there's one of these things that's not quite lined up, and that's okay, but most of them line up beautifully. And that's what a, that's what a longer chiasm looks like. And so you go, you, go, you go forward, you get to the middle, you go back. And let me tell you why they would do this. First of all, I mentioned the oral tradition several times. They memorized scriptures, and so that's the primary reason they did it this way. 
remembering something twice is better than once. They want them to remember. The second, it was kind of vogue. It's cool. This is hard to do. In fact, I'm not going to do this for your listeners, but I'm going to challenge them to write their own. I'm going to give them the same amount of time Joseph Smith had per verse to write one. And they're going to see how hard it is. But it was really cool. Okay, so you've well. taken the amount of time that he would have spent right. translating five minutes the per book verse of, about yeah. So the average is five minutes per yeah, verse. At least if, if my remember if my memory or not me. yeah not translating but dictating yeah book yeah of right if my memory serves me correctly it's somewhere around five minutes a verse but but it may be I can't remember okay I, don't 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 hang me on that or or, or not. Someone's so I think to... what we can see from this is that this kind of thing just doesn't happen by accident. No, it doesn't. In fact, the, what's so cool about this with chiasm, it, it's almost like the point of a spear or an arrow. You can focus on the middle. So the middle becomes the, the point you're trying to make. And what's so cool about the chiasm we're going to look at tonight is on, uh, uh, it's, it's also a way to organize their paper, right? Organize their writing. We're going to see some of that tonight. But I like this the best. You can intensify or complete a thought going backwards. And we're going to see some of those incredible examples of this in the Book of Mormon. As you go back out of the chiasm. All right, well, chiasm, I'm going to stop interrupting because I'm excited to hear this. <laughs> as you go back out of the, of the chiasms, you can actually intensify the thought or complete a thought that you began in the front, in the front half. And I like that aspect the most because I love to learn from the scriptures. And when, when, when they start going backwards, I'm like, okay, there's the main point. It's in the middle. But now we're going to see, and Alma 36 does this beautifully. As they go back out of Alma 36, it's like it's intensified. And it's just, it just blows you away. Okay, here we go. Um, by the way, uh, the question we're answering tonight, or well, well, Nephi said this, yeah, I make a record in the language of my father, which consists of the learning of the Jews and the language of the Egyptians. Egyptian characters, but the learning, the learning of the Jews. They were writing the way the Jews wrote. And so if the Jews, as we saw from Isaiah and the Old Testament, uh, wrote in chiasmatic form or in poetry, then the question is, well, wouldn't the Book of Mormon have that sort of language in it, according to the statement. And that's the question we're going to answer tonight. Um, and this is where I usually have people write one. <laughs> so <laughs> if we had time, we'd, we'd take I, a five-minute break I on our podcast. Br- All right, so yeah. we'll challenge everyone. Pause your video, pause your recording. Yeah. Get a take, piece of paper. Take five minutes and write a chiasmus. You have to do this. You have to use ink. You have to use a pen. You cannot scribble or cross out anything. Because we've seen the Book of Mormon manuscript. It was a dictation. So you can't scribble, you can't read, you have five minutes. And when you get done, when you read it, it can't sound like a chiasm. Because I'm going to show you chiasms, you're like, wow, I've read that verse how many times? I never knew. So a really good one, you don't really sound, it doesn't sound like, I went to the store, to the store went I. I mean, it doesn't sound like that, right? Yeah, that's easy enough to yeah, do. Yeah, I, I can do that. But here's your, here's, your, here's your assignment. Write one, you've got five minutes. It has to go three lines forward, three lines back. It can't sound like a chiasm. Teach a doctrine of the gospel in it. And there you go. Ready, go. Okay. All right. And now we're back. Way to go. <laughs> how to go. It was fun, wasn't it? <laughs> well, here we go. By the way, the Reverend Lamb, uh, who in the 1880s published a lengthy volume criticizing the Book of Mormon, his conclusion was that the Book of Mormon was a gross, blundering, and stupid. Thank you, Reverend Lamb. Uh, Mark Twain, of course, was always yeah. good for a good comment. And uh, roughing simply, it, I think. Yeah, and simply chloroform and print. If you take out all the... Again, and it came to pass as the Book of Mormon would be a pamphlet. That's kind of funny. Uh, M.H.A. Vandervalk said, In nothing does the line, style, invention, conception, content, and purpose reveal the hand of a master, let alone a divine inspiration. I beg to differ, and we want to show Brother M.H.A. Vandervalk, who lived a long time ago, that we are going to differ with his statement. So here we go. Let's take a look. Um, this one's a fairly simple one at first glance, but then you realize that Nephi is prophesying, and some of these prophecies have not yet come filled, 
and some of them were less fulfilled when Joseph was on the earth. And so this is a very simple one. The Jews shall have the words of the Nephites. I think you probably know the rest of this because that's the middle. And the Nephites shall have the words of the Jews. Okay, it's a very simple one. That's a very simple chiasm in uh, 2 Nephi 29. And it goes on. And the Nephites and the Jews shall have the words of the lost tribes of Israel and... The lost tribes of Israel shall have the words of the Nephites. Okay. That okay. Was, so I actually couldn't have quoted it, but it was easy but, enough. But there you go. Yeah. So there's two little chiasms of 2 Nephi. Now, what's so cool about this, I, I mean, that's something we probably could have done, but it, he's prophesying. And what's so cool about this to me, so the Jews shall have the words of the Nephites. And so I ask, I ask you, did, 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 the, Jew, did, so did the words of the Nephites of the Book of Mormon, correct? Uh, did the Jews as a nation, as Israel, have the Book of Mormon on their shelves and libraries and they're studying it? Well, not no. really. No. There's individual Jews in the world yeah. that, that have the Book of that Mormon. That was part of the deal we made to construct the Jerusalem That's Center. exactly right. Elder Holland, and, 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 and we know that great story, and we do not proselyte in Israel. And there's a reason for that. And it's another chiasm. I'll show you in a minute. And the Nephites shall have the words of the Jews. So has that one happened? Do the Nephites, the descendants of the Nephites, have the words of the Jews? So the... the and, and, and I would contend that, yeah, they, they, they do. The, the work of the Jews is the Bible. Yeah. And, and the Nephites, or descendants of Nephites, ha have it. We're, 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 you know, they have the Bible, and, uh, and that's really cool. So this one's not yet been fulfilled, and this one has been fulfilled. Okay. And the reason for that is the first shall be last. Whoa, you just blew my mind. <laughs> and the last shall be first. There's you just chiasm. blew my mind. Okay, isn't that cool? Yes. So, so I, did, I did almost a whole episode last year on the first shall oh, be last really? and the last shall be first. I missed this well, we know particular what, verse. One of the interpretations of that verse is that the, the Jews are going to get the gospel last. And we, yeah. there's lots of prophecy about that in the great scriptures. Yeah, it makes sense now that you said, yeah. well, that's part of blowing my mind is how simple it is. <laughs> yeah, it's just simple. So you, you look at this, that's a really simple prophecy, but or a simple chiasm, but it's prophecy. So yeah. if you want to go back to your little moment you had when you wrote your own a moment ago um try another one and this side this, well, this time, one what i love about it is the it. way it's written yeah. also teaches a lesson and that lesson is different from the lesson that's written it's the way it's well, written and you have this beautiful book because if you look at the second half the nephites and the jews are the words of the lost tribes of israel well you can talk we could debate that but the lost tribes of israel you're you're probably from ephraim right you yes. are a one my, of the my lost tribe is ephraim the lost tribes of Israel have the words of Nephites and the Jews, and you hold up a quad. Uh, you've got the Bible, the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine and Covenants, which is a record. I'm not saying it's all the records of the lost tribes of Israel. It is a record of the lost tribes of Israel. So you could look at this and say the bottom half of that, that beautiful chiasm has been fulfilled because this is the words of the Jews and the Nephites and one of the tribes of the lost, lost tribes of Israel. Yeah. And so, so, so that's going to happen. And one day, the Nephites and the Jews as a nation will have all of that. And so go ahead and now prophesy in your chiasm and see how well you do. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, and by the way, um, uh, well, it's just fascinating. Because when Joseph was on the earth, Israel had not been established back right. in, in their land. You could do a whole podcast on that in and of itself. And the Book of Mormon, of course, prophesies that they will once again be established back in their land of their inheritance. And that's happened, as we know. Okay, let's, let's dive into another one. Here we go. Um, Mosiah chapter 5. King Benjamin's speech I'll talk about later is incredible. He wrote it down, and he worked on it for a long time. It's obvious, and it's, it'll blow you away in a minute here. So here's King Benjamin's speech. Uh, and he's talking about, so this is an example. I mean, last one, every, every line was a chiasm. Here's a little more, little more of a thematic one. 
If you don't take upon yourself the name of Christ, you must be called by some other name. And uh, if not, you're going to be found on the left hand of God. And so he begins to saying, uh, you should remember that this is a name that I should give you. It shouldn't be blotted out, except it be through transgression. Therefore, take heed that you do not transgress. Sounds like the middle of his message, right? If you're a prophet and you're giving a message, they always talk about repentance. Don't transgress. Repent. So here he's gone forward and transgression, this whole idea about don't transgress, you can already see he's begun to go backwards. That's the middle of his message. Don't con- now watch how he intensifies the thought as he goes back out. Um, take it, don't transgress, that your name be not blotted out of your heart. See, that matches up with never be blotted out. But he adds this time to your hearts. Because what happens when we trans, this is why I love going backwards in these beautiful Book of Mormon chiasms. When I go backwards, I learn doctrinally. In the second half of the chiasm. Absolutely, because he's intensifying the thought. A good chiasm is going to intensify the thought, not only repeat it in, rep- in reverse order, he's going to intensify the thought. And so the, 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 the thought that gets intensified here is that transgression causes problems with my heart. And it does. You may know of yourself that when you transgress, that, that it, you have heart problems. And, and, and you don't want those heart problems. You want... You know, I, I, I think we talked last time we were here that the, 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 the children of Israel, the, the high priest, had this beautiful breastplate. And in that breastplate, he had, uh, on the breastplate, he had 12 stones. And one of the symbols, and, and on the backs of those 12 stones is written the names of the, of, the, of the tribes of Israel. One of the symbolisms there is that he's carrying Israel near his heart. And God wants our affection. He wants our heart. And so you think about that. It's pretty cool doctrine. He goes on. And he says, you've got to re- re- retain the name. Where? Well, in your heart. Not just remember it. Retain his name in your heart. Or not, you're going to be found not on the left. You're going to be uh, on the left hand of God. Um, and he goes on to say, you need to hear and know the voice you shall be called. And it's the name by which he shall call you. So there's a beautiful, a beautiful doctrine, a uh, beautiful chiasm in Mosiah. And when you put it like this, it's unmistakable. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But if you, you've read that, how many times have you read that, Mark? And you didn't say, oh, that was a poem. No, no. And, and like I said, so going back to your little exercise, <laughs> you, you need to write one so well that you don't know you're reading one unless you analyze it in diagram like this, but it's beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, that's just beautiful doctrine. And it's just absolutely gorgeous. Here's another one, really cool. We all, this is one of the most important messages from First Nephi. It's Nephi. And, and this is Laman and Leela talking to Nephi. Have you inquired of the Lord around that moment? Well, have you inquired of the Lord? And they said unto me, We have not, for the Lord maketh no such things known unto us. Behold, I said unto them, How is it that you have not kept the commandments of the Lord? How is it that you will perish because of the hardness of your hearts? Do you not remember the things which the Lord has said? So here he's in the middle. It's not so important that, that, that what I'm saying. He's saying, Don't you remember what God has, what the Lord has said? And so he's going to go backwards. If you will not harden your hearts, and ask me in faith, believing you shall receive. No, notice the intensification. If you will not harden your hearts and ask in faith, believing you shall receive, with diligence in keeping the commandments, there's matches up with commandments, surely these things shall be made un- known unto you by the Lord. So the middle element doesn't necessarily have to repeat. No. It can Sometimes just be, it does. It can be an odd number or an no. even number. It's the, spo- it's the point of the spear. Yeah. It's, it really is. It's the point of the spear. And, and, and it's... And it's it's okay, I'm to the middle, I'm yeah. making my point, and now I'm going to back out. And, and that's how you know what the point was when yeah. you start seeing things repeat, whatever was yeah. in the middle. That's, yeah. the, that's the central idea that makes everything intensify. Yeah. Okay. 
So this next chiasm, uh, I when I when I do this, I generally make little paper copies of it, like small that people can put in their wallet in their pocket because, and I just say, look, whenever you have little doubts, <laughs> whenever they creep in, just pull this thing out and look at that and say, okay, yeah, it, just because it's so incredible. And and I just want to ask yourself, could you have done this? Let alone Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith was he was very intelligent. There's no doubt about that. But he was he was not very learned, and uh, you know not very many years of formal education. He wasn't a big reader. Everyone knows that he didn't really know even Jerusalem had a wall around it, you know, for protection. Uh, with his conversation with Emma, I mean, Joseph was was a, was brilliant, but but very unlearned. And so just think about that. And I'm going to show you a writing sample in a minute of Joseph's writing. But let's take a look at this. This is Alma 41, 13 to 15. And it's it's Alma talking to his son. Alma the younger talking to Corianton. Okay. This is one of I mean I uh, I actually <clears throat> found this myself as I was researching chiasmus a couple of years ago, and I, but I didn't I didn't understand everything about well, it that I think you're going to say. This just I, I, I was like I think this is a chiasmus. Well, and when you see this, so so just watch just keep the video on the screen here. Here we go. The meaning of the word restoration is to bring back again evil for evil or carnal for carnal or good for that which is good, righteous for that which is righteous, just for that which is just, and merciful for that which is merciful. So you notice you, you receive goodness, righteousness, justice, and mercy when you are, when you give goodness, righteousness, justice, and mercy. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you get it when you give it. And, and that's what he's trying to teach his son. It's about the law of restitution. The meaning of the word restoration, to bring back these things. And so if he's, this, this is the middle. This is, well, this is almost the middle. So he's going to go in reverse order now. And so the last thing he said is, is give mercy, right? He said, you, 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 will, you will bring back mercy when, when you are merciful, okay? So yeah. therefore, my son. Now here's the middle. This, this, I, one of the things I noticed about this chiasmus is it wasn't quite like the others. It no, was a little oh, bit it's weird. not. It's, it's 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 beautiful is what it is. I mean, here's the point. Therefore, my son, see that you are. So th this is a tender father saying to a son, "Will you please shape up? Will you please be merciful? See this. So if this is a true chiasm, he's going to talk about mercy next. Therefore, my son, see that you are merciful unto your brethren. Now here's the beauty." Instead of doing, instead of saying, therefore, my son, see that you are merciful, brethren, and you'll get mercy, he decided to go ahead and do all of the gives first in reverse order. And then he does the receives. Therefore, my son, That's see that is. you yes. are merciful unto your brethren. Okay, so that matches up with merciful. Deal justly. Judge righteously and do good continually. And if you do all these things, then you shall receive your reward. And now watch. In and he reverse, says the word receive. In reverse order. Mercy restored unto you again. <laughs> Justice restored unto you again. Righteous judgment restored unto you again. And good rewarded unto you again. And then going back to the main concept, for that which you do send out, shall return unto you again. Same concept is in the blue up at the top. Therefore, the word restoration matches up with the meaning of the word restoration. More fully condemneth the sinner and justifieth him not all, intensifies the thought of the meaning of the word restoration. Wow. That is incredible. 
Yes, you, yes, it is. <laughs> I you mean, could spend your whole oh, life trying to could, come up with one of these. <laughs> but look at the doctrine in that, and look at how beautiful it is, and look at the tender parent trying to get his son to remember this whole law of restitution, and 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 saying when you act, there's a consequence to your actions, good or good or bad. And so you see the tender, you see the tender moment with the father and the son, but you see an incredibly beautiful poem that he wrote for his son to help him remember this concept. And I'm telling you, if you think Joseph could have whipped that out when he it, 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 it learn, it, is learning, let me show you. The, I'm not making fun in any way of the prophet Joseph Smith. I love him, and uh, he certainly was a man and a prophet of God, uh, like all the prophets of God. But this is his writing. This is his own hand in 1832. Okay, so this is several years after the Book of Mormon. And you, you see his own hand, Joseph Smith Jr.'s record book bought. They spelled phonetically back then, B-A-U-G-H-T, for to note all the minute circumstances, minute is what he was, he was saying, circumstances that comes under my observation. All that's crossed out. He di tries it again. Joseph Smith Jr.'s book for record bought on the 27th of November, 1832, for the purpose to keep a minute, a minute account of all things uh, that come under um, my observation and more stuff crossed out. Oh, may God grant that I may be directed in all my thoughts. Oh, blessed servant. So, so this is Joseph's writing capability th several years after the Book of Mormon experience. And notice the scribbles. Notice that, I mean, he, this, is, this, this is Joseph writing as Joseph. Uh, he, and he's just writing a journal and he can't even get that out. Right, right. And, and, and when you see it, the this is a transcript of the Book of Mormon. And, and, and it's very well documented. It's just clean and dense, uh, yeah. where the other and one was sparse across look, the page. It's very well documented that Joseph, by all of his scribes, that he would never ask them where he was after they take a break, where he left off, he would just begin again. Uh, it's very well documented. It was, it was, it was a dictation. And um, it was translated by the gift and power of God. It, it, it is truly the work of God. And it's, it's and, and when, I mean, when you see that Alma 41 class and then you look at Joe's writing skills and abilities and you, I mean, just the integrity. We want to do a, a, a podcast one time on the integrity of the internal map. The internal map, knowing, I mean, there's over 500 references to land masses and things like that in the Book of Mormon. And all throughout the Book of Mormon, they're always in the right place. If you draw a map and say, okay, where was Melik? Where was Bountiful? Where was Helam? You know, where was the Riverside? If you draw that on a map, and later in the Book of Mormon, it's it's just nailing it. They would have had to have a big chart now, if they were making this up. And in fact, um, Emma, you, where where do we say Zerahemla? I, I can show you upstairs, Mike. You may I may have mentioned this to you, maybe not, but as a fantasy writer, I have yeah, created right. my own world. Right. And I have that very right. map. That's actually the first thing I did because I knew I was going to have my characters moving around right. the world, and so I created a big map. And then when I have them going somewhere. Right. I go back and I have to right, look at the map, to. and I forget the names of the places that I put in there <laughs> and where they are. And um, and I'm, I've got a friend who's a worldwide best-selling author, and he has a whole team. They yeah. have a wiki That's online, awesome. and they and when he writes something, then he has to run it through a committee, and they say, "Oh no, <laughs> uh, you know, a hundred thousand words ago, That's which is so not as large as even the Book of Mormon yeah. is, uh, you wrote this, right. and you are now contradicting that." And so he has a whole team keeping him. Continuous. Well, if I remember right, I don't. I need to go check this one. Uh, over 500 references to to, to geographical locations, uh, and I'll, I'll have to go check that for you. But that's a lot, and to remember without <laughs> yeah, that's without, a lot. without a 
just the integrity of the internal map of the Book of Mormon is evidence that they... That they and, and let me tell you, fans, fantasy fans, they're right. very particular. Oh, yeah, they'll remember. But they are nothing like the, the level of scrutiny that has been leveled at the Book of Mormon oh, over yeah. the decades and yeah. centuries. So, look, once again, this stuff, it, it doesn't convince non-believers, and that's okay. Right. But for believers, it's kind of nice. You just kind of sleep a little bit better at night, yeah. and, and it's so cool. So, anyway, this is, John Welsh just gives this word of caution. Some people, of course, have gone overboard in the search, and, and caution must be employed. Otherwise, it's possible to find casualties in the telephone book, and the event becomes meaningless. One must be careful in this quest, however, to avoid the problems of the hammer syndrome. person holding a hammer, everything looks like a nail. To the person holding only, uh, who knows only chiasmus and no other form of literary composition, everything may start looking like chiasm. So... So just be careful. But anyway, let's go. So don't to, try to force. Don't yeah, try to shoehorn yeah, things them. into this form when they right. don't. When they're not really true chiasms. Well, this week is you know, and come follow me. We're studying Alma thirty six, and um, I'm going to go through this in fairly fast. It's absolutely beautiful. It's, it's in a chiasm. It's an entire chapter, and I'm just going to lay it out for you because now you're pretty good at recognizing these things. And so it begins with the father once again, with a plea to his son to to give ear to his words. My son, give ear to my words. Here's the theme of the Book of Mormon. If you keep the commandments, you shall prosper in the land. And he's, he pleads, and please do as I have done in remembering the captivity of our fathers. Nephi would do this. They would always say, please remember the captivity of our fathers. Remember what, and that God certainly delivered them. Because uh, he did deliver them. And that's a really important message. Therefore, all, he gets down going saying all these words. Please listen, listen, listen. You need to put your trust in God. If you are, if you do trust in God, you'll be supported in your trials, troubles, and afflictions. And, and I, I, I don't know of this of myself, but I know this because of God. God told me this. Uh, and if I had not been born of God, I would not have known these things. And, and, and then he begins telling a story. And I'm so grateful for John, for John Welsh and others who have done all this work. Uh, you know, this is not my work. This is fine. It was actually the work of, of the writers of the Book of Mormon, but to, but to actually show us these things. Yeah, it's a great feat of scholarship yeah, to yeah, find it, this. Incredible. But but look at how beautiful this. He's not even halfway yet. He begins telling his story. That he went about seeking to destroy the the church of God. And um, we know all of the story. He the angel appears and in Emmaus so he could not open his mouth, neither had I the use of my limbs. He was paralyzed. And in that moment the very thought of coming the prince of God did rack his soul with inexpressible horror. And, and he was racked even with the, the, the pains of a damned soul. And, and <clears throat> he says, I begin remembering <laughs> of one Jesus Christ. It's sounding like getting towards the center, right? Because we're starting to talk about something sacred. Very, very, and he's in, he's in a dilemma. He's in a paralyzed state. He's, he has the pains of a damned soul. He remembers Jesus Christ. And there you go, that he would atone for the sins of the world. So once again, this is, the, this is the center of the chiasm. It's the most important point. It's the message to his son. It's his message to us that Jesus Christ will atone for the sins of the world. And here's something that I just thought of. There's a, there's a parallelism in the fact that this is a, le a message from his father, and now he's relaying right. it to his son. So as he does that, that's the point around which the whole thing reflects. Oh, yeah. I'm Absolutely. sure you thought of that, no, but no, I, I just no, I, no, that's beautiful. It's beautiful, and that's why when you get in the Word of God, God, Heavenly Father, begins to real, reveal things to you. And one of the greatest evidences that this is the Word of God is that every time everyone I know that that, that, that believes in our Heavenly Father and His Son open this record up, uh, that they, the Heavenly Father speaks to them. 
And um, once again, chiasms are nice, but the greatest evidence that the Book of Mormon is the Word of God is when you open it up, God will speak to you and, and tell you to, to be a better person, to be a better husband, be a better father, and be a better, uh, be a better member of our society. It, it just it, it motivates me to be a better person. Yeah, there's nothing in the Book of Mormon that would say, believe what Joseph Smith says and give <laughs> Joseph Smith yeah. you know, power and money. It says, believe in Christ right. and, and follow a, Jesus Christ all, all the days of your life. And be, that's the message. Sure, and be a better person. I mean, that's what this does. So here's the middle. And now watch. The cool thing about the Alma 36 chiasm is as he, as he goes out, he intensifies the thought. And he shows you what happens to someone that has the atonement of Jesus Christ in, in, their, in their soul, in his heart. Because he was in this fallen state. He was, he was feeling the, the pains of, of, of a damned soul. And here we go. So he cries within his heart, oh Jesus. So he remembers him. And that matches up with he calls on Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and, um, and so once again, the joy that he began to experience in this moment was as exceeding as the pain was. He was feeling the pains of a damn soul. Now his joy was as exceeding as the pain. Because after the Savior comes into our life, what happens? The pain that we're having is gone, and the joy it, it was as exceeding it. The joy is greater than the pain was. That's what happens when the atonement comes in our soul. And, and you see up there, he had fear to be in the presence of God. And in a sinful state, we are. We want the mountains to fall upon us, right? But after the atonement, we long to be with God. Isn't that beautiful? We do. We, we want, I want to be with the Savior. And not because I'm, I'm not perfect. I'm far from it. But I, I know because of the atonement of Jesus Christ that, that, that if I'm striving and repenting and, and doing the best I can, I want to be with Heavenly Father. And He's going to be, and the Savior's going to be by my side to make that possible. And it's awesome. So instead of mouth and limbs paralyzed, what did Alma do? You know, uh, uh, they, well, his mouth and limbs received their strength again, and instead of seeking to destroy the church of God, he has labored without ceasing, bringing souls into repentance. Because after the atonement gets in your heart, y you want to get other people to feel the joy that you feel. And that's showing, once again, he's intensifying. He's not just talking about seeking, I was destroying, now I'm building. So it matches up beautifully. And one of the interesting things, I mean, one of the amazing things about this chiasm is that it's reversed rather than being parallelism expressing the same idea going in coming out he has been transformed yeah. so it's it's a transformative sure. chiasm sure it's it, uh, remember we said earlier on the or way out antithesis, yeah, yeah, you, you, might yeah say. you can you can intensify the thought you can complete the thought it's yeah it's showing the it's showing the results of yeah. someone who's found the savior and that's what once again it makes it so beautiful and he says i was born of god this is what i was born of god and um, the knowledge which I have is, is, is of God, which matches up to that very th same thing. He said that uh, it's not just the, the ancestors. See how much more personal this is? At first it was the ancestors were supported in their trials, troubles, and tribulations. But he's saying, I have been supported in trials, troubles, and, 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 tri and tribulations. So it's personal. It's like, I have been supported in my trials. And, and therefore, I trust in God. I do put my trust in, in, in God. And because he will still, notice that, he will still, he delivered our ancestors, but he will still deliver me. And he will deliver you, you know. Therefore, remember the captivity of our fathers. And, and he's, you know, he's saying, instead of do as I have done, he's saying, you need to know as I do know, that if you keep the commandments, you shall prosper in the land, a theme of the Book of Mormon, and finally, now this is according to not my word. This is according to his word, God's word. Wow. 
and well, that is the, the chiasm the, and if you're not looking at the video he is uh, laid out visually the entire chapter 36 of the book of Alma. Uh, I just feel bad now for Shiblon because we have an amazing <laughs> an amazing chiasm given to Corianton and now here's the most amazing one given to Helaman and uh, the third the third brother he got a letter from his father as well. <laughs> I'm sure, if, there's, I'm sure there's. I'm sure there's, there's probably something amazing in you're there. You're going to have writers. To, you're <laughs> going to have your guys say, "Oh, there's chiasms there too." I'm sure. Okay. There, I'm sure well, there if were. you know one of we're, the, we're just showing you a sampling of the chiasms in the Book of Mormon. Yeah. So, okay. So now this next part, I know this is building. You think it, you think it can't get better? Then now let's just talk about King Benjamin's speech. I'm going to do this fairly fast. Uh, All right. I'll, there, I'll there's butt some out from it. No, no, no. There's some really good books on this, Sean. Uh, um, uh, there's King Benjamin's speech, uh, Farms Product, I believe, and, and Book of Mormon Authorship, another another uh, Foundation of Ancient Studies book. Please go read them. I mean, they're. they're I'll, please, put, just, I'll put just links. Go, I'll go, get a, go read those. I'll get a reference from you the, afterwards, the and I'll put a link said. on the page on Gospel Talk. If you want to read more about this, read read those great books. Um, this is where I got most of this information. But King Benjamin's speech is absolutely incredible. So just so you know, there's seven sections. Uh, they, the scholars have found seven, seven basic sections to his speech. As you can see from the screen, they're in chiasmatic form. Um, you have section one, two, three, four, and five, six, seven, and it goes backwards. For example, uh, in section one, King Benjamin starts talking about his death. We all know that. He's like, I'm about to die. And I hope that my spirit will be raised up. And at the end of his record, he's saying, uh, he has the same hope expect for his people, that when they die, you know, you may be brought into heaven. So once again, he's saying the same thing going in. He says it going out. It's, it's chiasmic form. So the sections match up. And in, in the first section, he's talking about God's role in our physical creation. At the end, he's talking about God's role in spiritual creation. So you can, you can, go, you can go ahead and, and take a look at these sections in and, 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 and these works I just cited, and you can see how they line up beautifully. Section 1 matches with section 7. Section 2 is section 6. Section 3 is section 5. Section 4 is the center. And, and you're already starting to wonder what's in the middle of that section because yeah, that's the main I'm, point. I'm thinking yeah. it's got to be something about Jesus Christ, hopefully. Well, uh, yeah, it is. And, 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 <laughs> Spoiler. And it's one of everyone's favorite verses in all the Book of Mormon. We found it without knowing that it was the heart of, uh, of this. Anyway, so section one has, uh, and one way to look at it, it has nine subsections. For example, here's, here's, here's section one, uh, outline form, Okay. Um, he talks about why we're gathering. He talks about what is man. Then the laws of King Benjamin's king are set forth. You cannot boast of your service to fellow men. We know that. I mean, that's right. We know that verse. The imperatives to serve other and thank God is the middle of that, of that section. You can't boast of your service to God, contrasting that with the fellow men. The laws of, the laws of God's kingdom are set forth. And what is man again? And, and this is why I've gathered you. So you can see that he outlined his he outlined his talk this way and i said at the beginning that they use this for organization so, so not only yeah not only did the entire speech the major concepts follow yeah. a chiasmic form but also the uh the individual sections also yeah. felt, followed their own chiastic forms inside yeah. and wow. he, he outlined well he outlined his he, he wrote it down he outlined his talk this way but did what's you so know beautiful there was a, a greek letter that looks like a piece of spaghetti, and it's uh, that's we're going to call this. No, I'm just kidding. There's yeah. not, but that's. But what's so cool is you'll notice there, there's little verses here, right? And so, what do you think's in those individual verses? <laughs> so let's take a look. I can't. I cannot guess. You <laughs> well, have me dumbfounded. Well, well there, there's two verses there, and so there's going to be poetry in each of those verses. 
So these are just the outlines. So okay, let me show you're you. You're making me curious. Okay, so here we go. So that's what that kind of looks like, all right? Okay. The section one, it, it has those subsections. So let's take a look at two verses in, in, in two verses in Mosiah 2, okay? Uh, I have spoken plainly unto you. Uh, you need to awake to remembrance the, uh, the awful situation that comes about from transgression and consider the blessed and happy state of those that keep the commandments of God. Uh, they are blessed in all things. They're not just blessed, they're blessed. Here's, he's in the middle. He's going back out. This is, a, this is a chiasm. So we're intensifying. Yeah. So, so my point is, in all those individual verses in King Benjamin's speech, they're, they're chiasms. Does that make sense? And so, wow. And so they're blessed in all things. And if they hold out faithful to the end, they receive the heaven to dwell with God in a state of never-ending happiness. It's not, just, it's not just happy. It's never-ending happiness. And then instead of remember, it's, oh, remember, remember. Okay, and, 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 and for the Lord God has spoken it. Once again, as they come out, they're saying, look, this is what God has said, not just me. So with, with individual verses in King Benjamin's speech, there are chiasms. And so, so here's, here's what's so cool. Um, they've identified 14 different types of parallelism in King Benjamin's speech. Okay? Wow. And, and you can read that about, about them in, in, in the books I, I've mentioned um, there's 124 simple parallelisms, like we were talking about earlier, you know, like Isaiah's. Something that repeats one yeah, line after yeah, another. Like, he hath created unto you, he hath great created you, and he hath granted unto your lives. That's, that's saying the same thing twice. That's a simple parallelism, okay? There's 124 of those. Okay. There are 37 chiasms like the one I just read. Okay. There's wow. 37 of those. Okay. Okay. All right. I just showed you one. Yes. I'm going to show you another one in just a minute. The okay. heart. I'm going to show you the. the I'm going to show you the point of the spirit in a minute. Okay. Um. And there's ten structural chiasms for a hundred and a total of you know there's 120, 107. I, I don't know. There, there's a lot. Yeah. Depending on how you classify them. How you look at it. How you classify them. The point is. I want you to think about whether or not Joseph Smith could have. I mean, how much did he know? There's been some critics who say, well, yeah, there were other writings that had chiasms. I challenge you to go look at those other writings that the, that the anti-Mormons are referring to. Go look at them and compare them to what you've seen in this, in this presentation. They are, they're nothing compared to this. These are, anyway, so King Benjamin's speech is absolutely incredible. And uh, it's just beautiful. And, and you're, I know you're dying uh, to know what's in section four because this is, the heart of, this is the heart of what King Benjamin's message was. And so here it is, you ready? Uh, but men drink damnation to their souls, except they humble themselves and become as little children and realize that salvation is through the atonement of Jesus Christ. For the natural man is an enemy to God. So it begins before that verse. Mm -hmm. okay. but, it, but there we are. But that verse 319. And, ha and has been from the fall of Adam and will be forever and ever. And, and until you yield to the enticing of the Holy Spirit and putteth off the natural man and becometh the saint through the atonement of Jesus Christ and becometh as a child submissive, meek, and humble. There is the center of King Benjamin's speech, a scripture that we all know and love. And, and one of the comments that I wanted to make to you is uh, there, you know, there are criticisms of this particular doctrine because it has been echoed in the New Testament. You know, one of the epistles of Paul sure. talks of, talks very, it, it uses very similar language and even some of the ordering uh, is present there. But one thing you can't do is go back to the Bible and find this level of repetition in reverse order 
with the intensification around a central point. Yeah. It just doesn't exist. Yeah. And so people say, oh, it's just based on the Bible. Yeah. And the truth is, if it was, you know, then it's coming out of Joseph Smith's head as he translates. He, he might be rendering things into King James English, but that doesn't mean that yeah. the, that the, uh, the ordering and everything was in the Bible because it just wasn't. The, the criticism just doesn't hold. I'm, uh, and another, fine, another fine. example, make, which, the, make, the, make that criticism, but go ahead and write one. <laughs> yeah. For, for the person I'm, making the criticism, write me a little, pull, pull one out. There's, 30, there's 37 in King Benjamin speak. Alone, Please yeah. just write one for me. They, they have a college education. And I've had, I, you know, I've done this presentation a lot with people, people are real learned. And, and I mean, there's college educated people in the room, a lot of them. And, and you just say, okay, write one. And we have them, we, we read them. We read them in class. Oh, yeah. And it's so embarrassing. And uh, <laughs> so people can criticize all they want. But, you know, once again, this is not the work of a man. Yeah. And if you, uh, one of the things I wanted to bring up is if you go to Isaiah chapter 29 and compare it with 2 Nephi 27, there's another one that I didn't know if you'd mention or not, but. In this, uh, in this chapter, it's one of those chiasms that exists in the Book of Mormon more deeply than it does in the Bible. So Joseph Smith added to this verse, or he, you know, he translated more that was coming, obviously, through Nephi from the brass plates that doesn't exist in our version of the Bible, and it's chiasmic. So tell me how that's possible. Yeah. You know, how would Joseph Smith restore a chiasm into Isaiah that we don't personally have? So just check that out. That's look cool. through, look at the first few verses of, um, and I'm saying this to the listeners, look at the first few verses of Second uh, Nephi chapter 27, and then look at Isaiah 29, and see if you don't see more of a chiasm yeah. in the Book of Mormon than you do in the Bible, and then just wonder, well, how did Joseph Smith know to do that? And, and I don't know if you're getting to this, but when was... When was chiasm as a literary form identified by scholars? Oh, I don't know. I I, I don't know. Like I said, John Wells... Sometime late in the yeah. 19th century. It was long after yeah. Joseph Smith's death. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure when when he... And he's he's done... Mo the, he started this work, and uh, we... He was recently honored by uh, by the church, and uh, I believe Elder Holland, for, for his work. And we didn't know about this until... I, I don't, I mean, I don't, maybe, it may have been the 70s or early 80s. I have to go back and look, but... I can tell you, it, it's just incredible, and and that's that's the end of my presentation. And I and, and I, I just want to say to your listeners, you know, I, I want to go back to something I said at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> that's wonderful, <laughs> but hopefully stronger. <laughs> I'll intensify or complete the thought. You know, you, this doesn't convince anybody that the Book of Mormon is true that Joseph was a prophet, as much as you want it to. I, I'm sure there, are, there are, are Hebrew literary scholars that look at some of this and say, man, those are awesome examples, yeah. but they don't believe. And, 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 and I'm not saying that's good or bad or evil or anything. I'm just saying it does not convince. The greatest way to gain a testimony in the Book of Mormon is to do as the Book of Mormon directs, and that is read it and then get on your knees and get a, a, an unshakable testimony in the video of the book. Uh, that this is God's word, and and that and that and that you will get closer to God, and be a better person, and be a better husband, and be a better spouse, and be just to be a better uh, uh, a person on the earth. And 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 yeah, the the testimony of the divinity of the church rests on this, and I'm glad it does because right now we have this movement in the world to discredit God, and the Bible, and and the the Book of Mormon stands up as a second witness that hey no 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 
God really is in the heavens, and he does have a son, Jesus Christ. Here's an entire another, a different nation than one over in Israel that, 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 witnessed, that witnessed him. And so the Book of Mormon stands up in these last days as another witness that God really lives. In a day when God is being destroyed by the world and the philosophies of the world, we have another witness of this. And, and the best way to, 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 to know it's true is just to read his pages and get on your knees and read some more and get on your knees and read some more and see if it doesn't, it doesn't begin to grow inside of you, this, this incredible testimony. And, and, and it's done that for me, and I want to testify that the Book of Mormon is the Word of God. And, and that uh, I, every time I read those words in those books, I, I'm a better person. And, and, uh, and that we have prophets on the earth today. And I'm so grateful for that, especially in this day we're living right now. We're living in a day of a little bit of chaos. And quite frankly, I'm so grateful to know I have the family and the church that, that, surrounds, that surrounds me. I'm, I, don't, I don't have fear at all. Uh, with what's going on in the world because we are together and we have each other and if any of your listeners are uh, are, are not of our faith we'd invite you to let's hang out <laughs> come come sure. talk come and see and uh, and maybe some of them are struggling just I'd be happy to talk to any of them about about, about anything and and uh, uh, but but uh, anyway I've enjoyed my time with you Mark as always and I hope this has been Thank helpful you, for your for listeners and. Us. Hope you enjoy it and go go read. Go, yeah. Just go dive in. Let me add my words to yours that God will never force us. That I think what you're saying, uh, or uh, let me echo what you're saying by saying God will never force us to believe. Uh-huh. That That is the very message of these chapters that we've been reading about the Zoramites and the, the other um, dis- Nephite dissenters that Alma goes to as a missionary. He basically says, God, God will give you the freedom to go right up into that precipice of unbelief and then jump over. I'm just trying to help you understand that there is a hard floor at the bottom one day you'll hit. And so I'm trying to get you to stop short of it. But it's always going to be up to you. That is, that everything that exists in this world is in support of our agency. And that is God's number one priority. Not even our salvation is more important, if you think about that. He was willing to let his son die to preserve our agency. And so you have your agency. If you read, the, if you read this and you see this presentation and you want to believe that it's all random, if you want to believe that God uh, didn't create the earth, but that uh, a bunch of molecules happen to drift together, then you can. That is your choice. You always have that choice. No one will ever prove it to you beyond your ability to deny. And yet you also have the choice to believe if you if you let the spirit in, it might just change your heart. Well, thanks. Well, we leave this with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Come check us out again. Send email. If you want to talk to Mike or to me, ask a question. Send email to gt at gospeltoctrine.com. We'll see you next time. As always, thank you for joining me for this episode. The books that Mike mentioned in his presentation are Book of Mormon Authorship, New Light on Ancient Origins, put out by the BYU Religious Studies Center, and King Benjamin's Speech by John Welch and Stephen Ricks. This has been Gospel Doctrine, a nonprofit podcast hosted and produced by Mark Holt with bumper music by Kendra Holt. Gospel Doctrine is not affiliated with nor endorsed by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints.